This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, and we're puzzling our way into episode number 34. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. The tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com. Today, we're going to jump into the topic we were talking about last week, which is fertility and tracking your fertility. But we're going to go off in a little bit of a different direction today and talk about breastfeeding and your fertility. This is a topic where I think there's some confusion. Some of it we don't need to have and some of it we do need to have. So let's just jump into things here. First of all, there are myths out there. There are two myths. One of the myths is that you can't get pregnant when you're breastfeeding. And one of the myths is that you can get pregnant when you're breastfeeding. <laughs> okay, so that sounds contradictory. Let me explain. I think that most of us know that you can get pregnant when you're breastfeeding. I know that I pretty much had that beat over my head when I was reading about breastfeeding with my first. There may be some people who still say, oh, you can't get pregnant when you're breastfeeding. Or they might say, I can't get pregnant when I'm breastfeeding, which as we'll talk about might be true for them, but not true for you. Uh, But I think most of us realize at this point that you can conceive a new baby while you're breastfeeding an older baby. So it's important to realize that. But I, I think that the... The, the real problem that most women have is that we're not actually told that there are times when you can't get pregnant while you're breastfeeding. Breastfeeding does provide birth control. The, I talked a little bit last week about how beautifully women's bodies were designed to cycle through their fertility cycles, to get pregnant, to grow a baby, to birth that baby then to breastfeed that baby and those cycles were designed to to work right and to help to help a mom nurse her baby for as long as possible before she gets pregnant again so breastfeeding does provide some birth control it won't always be the exact spacing that parents desire For instance, I have always found that my fertility returns sooner than I would really like it to. However, there are some women who find that their fertility doesn't return until they wean or until they night wean or until their baby is much older. The reality is is that breastfeeding does provide pretty reliable birth control for your baby's first six months. So through that crucial period where your baby is really relying only on your milk, breastfeeding is pretty reliable birth control. Once your baby is over six months and has started solids, and especially once you've begun cycling again, breastfeeding isn't as good of a form of birth control. And if you're going to be spacing children, it's time to start thinking about something different. 
but um, using breastfeeding as birth control is called the lactational amenorrhea method. I don't want to go into a lot of detail about it because I really want to talk about the return of fertility after breastfeeding, but it is important to understand that it's a fairly effective form of birth control when it's used the way that is supposed to be used. So the lactational amenorrhea method um, in perfect use case scenarios has about a 0.5 chance of pregnancy for every 100 women. So for every 200 women using this method perfectly, one would get pregnant. In typical use, for every 100 women, two would get pregnant. So for every 200 women, four would get pregnant. That's in typical use. Now we can compare that to other things. So for instance, the pill. In normal usage, for every 100 women using the pill, eight will get pregnant. So that's four times as many as when using the lactational amenorrhea method. That just puts it into perspective with you. I won't give, it, give any uh, commentary on what I think about other forms of birth control right now. But lactational amenorrhea method is only good for your baby's first six months of life. And you follow certain principles to make sure that you're doing it right. This is called different things by different people. Ecological breastfeeding is the term that Sheila Kipley coined for it. You can get her book, and I'll put information in the show notes, but you can get her book from La Leche League, probably from Amazon, and it's called Ecological Breastfeeding. I really like her book. I like her encouragement to mother your baby. But she has seven standards of ecological breastfeeding. And actually, now that I think about it, I think that she might have she might have a, a free PDF about that. So I'll take a look for it and put it in the show notes if I can find it. But she calls it the seven um, standards of ecological breastfeeding. And those seven standards are that you breastfeed exclusively for the first six months of life. You don't use other liquids or solids. You don't even give baby water. You pacify or comfort your baby at your breast. So you're not using pacifiers. Uh, and then that segues into number three, which is don't use bottles or pacifiers. You sleep with your baby for night feedings. You sleep with your baby for a daily nap feeding. You nurse frequently day and night, not using schedules, just nursing on demand, not having any long gaps. And you avoid any practice that restricts nursing or separates you from your baby. So you wouldn't be going out on any, any long baby-free outings. Uh, and then she also talks a little bit about uh, when you're going beyond the six months and the baby's taking in liquids or solids other than breast milk and you may be considering night weaning or, or those things. But those seven standards, if you follow those, you can pretty much guarantee that you will be infertile for six months. I can already hear you talking now that you were an exception, you did everything right, and you still got your period back at six weeks, or you still got pregnant when your baby was three months old. So I understand that there are exceptions. Remember, that's why there's, you know, the one woman in 200 who with perfect use is still going to get pregnant. Maybe you're the one woman in 200, or the two women in 100 with typical use who are still going to get pregnant. Uh, maybe your body just really wants to ovulate and your baby slept through the night one night out of the past six months and that was the night that your body said, hey, 
I'm going to take advantage of the fact that these prolactin levels have dropped and it's time to get going again and get cycling again. I mean, that sort of stuff can happen, but most moms can expect to use the lactation amenorrhea method and be infertile for the first six months. It's after that first six months that things get really kind of dicey. The return to fertility with breastfeeding can be challenging. I didn't fully appreciate just how challenging it could be with my first three babies. Because after my first three babies, I had a period, and then after that, my cycles were clockwork, just like they had been pre-baby after all three of them. Now, I got my period back at varying times with them. Um, after my first at seven months, after my second at nine months, and with my third at 11 months. So I went longer with each one, but then with my fourth, I went back to a little bit earlier. So that wasn't a pattern for me to count on, though unfortunately I was. Anyways, the, but the, the, my periods went right back to clockwork. Now, after my fourth, fifth, and sixth babies, things have been much weirder. And so I can really appreciate a lot better how weird things can get. Researchers have actually looked into this, and there's a lot of ongoing research about this. Marquette University is one of the universities that's really, really interested in the breastfeeding return of fertility, and they have several active studies and trials that you can actually participate in, some of which they're using the Clear Blue Fertility Monitor for, and I'll link to more information on that in the show notes if you're interested, but they really like to track they have an online charting system where you can chart in, in your result, you know, your fertility monitor results and also cervical fluid. They don't have temperature in there or they didn't the last time that I checked, but you can chart temperature at home too. And the doctors are knowledgeable about temperature. There's doctors and nurses really actively participating in the forums and, and they're knowledgeable about temperature. So if you're charting temperature, you can bring that up in your conversations with them. So the, but there's a lot of study has been done, and again, a lot of study ongoing to figure out what's going on with this transition to fertility. And this is so important for so many groups of women because women are breastfeeding now and they're wanting to know how I can space, or some of you are wanting to know how am I going to get pregnant if I haven't had a cycle. What researchers have found is that the transition to full fertility is kind of a step-by-step -step thing and it can be really wonky in there that's why I introduced this podcast episode with we're puzzling our way in because it can be really puzzling for instance after honor I had a light period when she was I want to say when she was eight months old and then nothing for months nothing and then Finally, my body ovulated. I was charting, so I knew I had ovulated, and then just a few days later, my period started. So the luteal phase was just not long. If you're unsure about the luteal phase, go back and listen to the podcast episode directly before this, because I talked about that in that episode. But there were several cycles where it was like that, where the cycle was long and weird, and the fertility signs were all weird and messed up, and then finally there was an ovulation, and then a period right after that and I honestly think that we got pregnant with Corwin on the very first viable cycle 
that we could have possibly gotten pregnant on. So the, that weirdness can be really frustrating to you postpartum, whether you're three months postpartum, eight months postpartum, 14 months postpartum. Most moms who are breastfeeding exclusively and use the lactational amenorrhea method, the average return of fertility for those moms is 14 months, which is way longer than anything I've experienced. Um, my longest was really about 12 months. When Corwin was 12 months old, I had some really light spotting. Uh, I'm not sure I'd consider it a full period, but that was really my my longest till I had any sign of anything coming. But average is 14 months, and then I've got friends who go much longer, and there are women who won't have a period at all while they're nursing at all, and if they want to get pregnant again, they need to choose to wean. But generally, what happens is that your body stair steps its way into fertility. So you'll often have stuff going on in the ovaries, hormones working, trying to work. The breastfeeding hormone prolactin is a suppressant for all of this other hormonal activity. But your other hormones are trying to work. They're trying to build up. So there may be some activity going on in the follicles and the ovaries, but no ovulation is actually occurring. And sometimes the uterine lining can try and build up, and so you'll have a period. And you may have a warning period and then start ovulating right away, or you may have a warning period and then it'll be months, like with I experienced after Honor and after Galen, actually. It, it will be a long time before your body builds up those hormones again, so you'll go a long time without a period again. Or you may end up having periods at a normal time, but there's no ovulation going on between those periods. Your body's trying, but it's just not happening, and eventually a, tr a period or spotting is triggered. The next step in the stair step is... They call it ovulation without luteal competence. And that means that your body actually ovulates. So an ovum or an egg is actually released. And if you've made love to your husband, then that egg could actually be fertilized. But the luteal phase is not long enough. And the progesterone is the hormone that, that spikes during the luteal phase the progesterone levels may not be staying high enough to sustain a pregnancy. So the baby cannot successfully implant and the progesterone levels drop and then you have your period and the so the baby can't live at that point. Usually you wouldn't even know that you were pregnant if this was the case. And sometimes I wonder if when I get to heaven there might be little babies waiting who I never even knew were there. It's kind of a sad thought, so I just want to acknowledge that if you're feeling sad too at this moment. But I don't really think that those babies feel or experience any pain, so that's something that we can think of to encourage us. It can be frustrating for you, especially if you're wanting to try to conceive, because this is a limbo that oftentimes a lot of moms who are breastfeeding get stuck in. They get stuck at this step. So they're having periods and their body is actually ovulating, but the luteal phase is so short that the baby can't implant. And usually what happens is your cycles begin to normalize. Cycles get shorter because those cycles tend to be longer because it takes a long time to ovulate because the hormone levels are still competing. 
Um, so cycles start to get shorter and back to your more normal pattern. And the luteal phase gradually lengthens until you're just cycling normally. But for some moms, this can take a long time. And it can be frustrating if you're trying to conceive. This can also be frustrating if you're trying to avoid because fertility signs can be all over the place. Again, we talked about fertility signs in the last podcast, so go back and listen to that. We talked about cervical fluid or fertile fluid and how that builds up in a nice pattern as you get close to ovulation. Well, when you're breastfeeding, your body may try to ovulate several times before it actually happens because of all the breastfeeding hormones going on too. So you'll see patches of fertile fluids if you're looking at your chart, you'll see where there's little patches, a few days where you had fertile fluid and then nothing, and then a few days and then nothing, and then a few days and then nothing, and then finally your body ovulates. Or you might not really have any fertile fluid, or it may just be really thin and watery in consistency, a little bit more than you've been experiencing, but not really. But if you're charting your temperature, you can see that ovulation finally happened. All of those scenarios are normal, and all of this just speaks to the fact that the return of fertility while you're breastfeeding can be confusing. I wish that I had all the answers because it's confusing to me, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to podcast on it. But I can tell you what I've learned, and I can reassure you that we're definitely starting to understand some of the patterns but it doesn't always help you when you're in the moment and when you're really trying to figure out how to space or when you're really trying to figure out how to get pregnant and things are just not cooperating with you. But it's good to know that things can be normal. For instance, that the, the warning period with no ovulation is normal. And then the extended cycles with a short luteal phase, that's a very clear thing seen for many nursing moms. And then finally, you get to the step which I was talking about where your cycles have shortened and you're having a normal luteal phase. And that's called full luteal competence. And it's also, that's full fertility. So breastfeeding is not impacting your cycles at all at this point. Of course, there's a caveat with that. For instance, if your baby, say your 13, 14, 15 month old is sick, and he or she goes off all food for a few days and goes back to nursing like a newborn, there's a good chance that those breastfeeding hormones could rise and whoops, you find you skip a period and you're running to the store for a pregnancy test and it's negative, and then, oh, a few weeks late, periods start again. I mean, that can happen. Some moms who find that their fertility is returning earlier than they want it to find that if they increase nursings at night, or take a nap during the day with their baby and nurse then, that their periods will go away. Or if they're using a pacifier or giving baby a supplemental bottle, they pull those things and their periods go away. I have never found that I have been able to stop fertility or get it, you know, get the breastfeeding levels high enough once my body has started cycling again. But other moms have found that. So those are things to consider. So you can consider those, those steps. Really, there's four steps. There's the lactational amenorrhea, where you're not fertile. Then there might be the first periods where there's no ovulation. Then there may be ovulation happening, but the luteal phase is not long enough to sustain a pregnancy, even if you conceive. And then you get to full fertility with a normal luteal phase. 
And at this point, if you conceive, then your body can sustain the pregnancy and you begin growing your new baby. And that has different implications for your milk supply and breastfeeding, depending on your body too. And we can talk about that in another podcast episode as well. Then there are women who find that while they're breastfeeding, they just can't get pregnant. So these moms need to decide how long do I want to nurse my child and when do I feel comfortable weaning. Some moms do find that night weaning is enough. So if your baby is in bed and nursing at night and you want to get pregnant again, then you can consider night weaning. I usually encourage moms to wait until your baby is about a year before you consider night weaning just because night weaning is a time to bond with your baby and it's really a time and it it helps you get sleep now if you find that you sleep better with your baby in another room or in a bed another bed in your room then go with that and night weaning will be easier but many of us find that we sleep better with our baby in bed baby is more settled and sleeps better in bed with us and nighttime mothering is easier and daddies usually generally like it a lot because when the baby fusses in the night mom just rolls over and baby nurses and everybody can sleep um, so for that reason I usually encourage don't consider night weaning until your baby is about a year old and then your baby's gotten a year of that loving cuddling and you can consider moving him or her to another to another bed but some moms do find that that night weaning is enough. So if you're really hoping to get pregnant and you feel like your little one has had plenty of night nursing love in, then you can consider night weaning. And I can I can actually link to some resources on that. I think Dr. Jack Newman, I might have linked to this article in another Birth Baby and Life podcast too. I think it was Dr. Newman has a really nice article on night weaning the older baby and it's very respectful again it's definitely targeted towards an older baby we're talking 12 13 14 15 months here a young toddler older baby young toddler not a newborn but it's a very good article if you've reached that point with your little one so I can link to that and some moms find that that gives their body what it needs to begin ovulation because many of our hormones are most active at night and that's why night nursing is so powerful because hormones are stronger at night while our body is resting and that can let your body begin to ovulate again some moms do find that that's not enough and they have to wean completely even if their baby is only nursing once a day they won't get pregnant and if that is the case for you, if your cycles are just not returning, then again, this is a time to evaluate your nursling's age. You may be also evaluating your age. You may be evaluating where you are in life. And if your baby is older and you decide that you want to wean to get pregnant, then that's fine. You can. There are many resources on weaning. La Leche League has some great books. And again, I would encourage you to think strongly about it. The American Academy of Pediatrics recommends 12 months of nursing. World Health Organization is 24 months. A lot of moms start to feel comfortable with the thought of weaning between about 18 months and 24 months. Some moms wanting to go up past two a little bit. But most moms by about 24 months or so feel comfortable with the thought of weaning. And again, weaning resources can really help you to gently wean uh, 
to gently wean an older toddler. If you're weaning an 18 month old or so, sometimes just going cold turkey can can be the best way to go. But I'll give you some resources so that you can consider those different different options for you and your child. But usually if you do decide to wean your baby or your toddler, then you'll find that fertility resumes relatively quickly. If it doesn't, then it may be time to talk to your nurse midwife or your doctor or your midwife and see what might be going on, if they can order some tests to see what's going on. You could also choose to use something like an ovulation predictor kit or a fertility monitor. I talked a few minutes ago about the Marquette University um, testing that they're doing with women and they're using the Clear Blue Fertility Monitor to help watch hormonal surges in the moms in their charting. So that can definitely be something that you can use to help you figure out what's going on with your body, what's your body doing, is it trying to ovulate and then not ovulating, all those sorts of things. There are tools that you can use to help figure that out. The bottom line is that there are definite patterns, there are definite things that we know about breastfeeding and fertility, and there's a lot that we don't know. And there's a lot that's really variable based on mom. And I think that part of it is probably based on other things, environmental factors, the amount of stress that the mom is under. Uh, I've found that my cycles have returned sooner the more stressful my life is, which might seem cruel because then you could end up with more babies all close in age. But then again, also my closest babies have been some of my easiest babies. So maybe there's some wisdom in the universe to that. But, but, um, but, you know, nutrition, stress, life, all those things come into play and can influence an individual mom's cycle. So the best thing to know is that there are clear patterns that usually you can see yourself fitting into, no matter how puzzling and convoluted it might be. And there are things that you can do, especially if you're in the situation where your baby is two and you want another baby and you're not cycling yet, that considering weaning or night weaning can help. And that if your baby is really young, under six months, breastfeeding can provide really effective form of birth control for you to help you with a healthy spacing for your children. Next podcast episode, we're going to continue in this vein just for one more episode talking about fertility issues. Um, and we're going to talk about what to do when you're not getting pregnant, if you want to get pregnant. I've had some moms ask about this when they're struggling with secondary infertility. So I hope that those pod or that podcast episode will be fun and informative for you. And I will talk to you next week. Remember, you can leave me comments and ratings on iTunes and Stitcher in any directory that you're listening to. I love hearing from you. You can always email me, Kristen, at naturalbirthandbabycare.com. And if you'd like to get more information from me, our weekly newsletter, uh, you'd like to get our free mini birthing course with our workshop on birth and baby, then you can go over to TrustBirth101.com and sign up right there to get all the updates and know what's going on as soon as it's happening. I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.